0: seated. The Lord bless you. Amen. Amen. Before I forget, let me give you this. I need this back. It's my autographed copy. That will enhance what you're studying right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let me make this announcement uh, about the Youth Congress. Uh, Today, if you're planning on attending that Youth Congress in July, um, you need to be in a meeting back in the youth room right after the service today. There's a lot of planning that needs to take place, and so you need to go there first of all to get the information, and then get direction in Jesus' name. Lots of things have to happen in order for events like that to take place, but we're excited about the youth convention, or Congress this year. I believe it's going to be great. Two years ago, they couldn't do it because of the COVID situation, and they had to shut it down, and they did individual things throughout the country but um, probably not the same. There's just amazing things that are happening in that Youth Congress because of the anticipation, praise God. I think at last time they had it, which will be four years ago, I think there was an excess of 35,000 um, majorly young people that were attending that, and it was just phenomenal, just phenomenal. It is by far, in America, the biggest meeting that the United Pentecostal Church International is hosting. So if you're going to be going to that, um, we certainly are 100% behind you, but brother and sister Fissner need to get some ducks in a row. And so you're going to need to get in that meeting today, find out first of all what's expected of you and what's expected of your young people if they're going, and then uh, get on the planning trail, and I believe the Lord will bless you in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Good, good things are happening in the name of Jesus. The Scripture teaches us. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here today and talk about um, a, cu- a couple of things that I feel like will help. In the name of Jesus, um, I want you to notice in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 10, and um, uh, the book of Hebrews teaches us a lot of things about crossovers, crossover between the New Testament or the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it enhances some things. It's a tremendous book to read. I have studied it for years, and I will continue to study it because I believe God is is uh, is doing those things amongst us. But in the 10th chapter, the Bible says in verse 22, 10 and 22, this is Hebrews, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart. Somebody say amen. In full assurance of faith. The Scripture says one of the attitudes Jesus taught was the fact that blessed are they that are pure in heart it says for they shall see God and so the purification or the consistent purification of our hearts is absolutely necessary it's not a one-and-done it's not something that you um, uh, get it done so there has to be a, um, um, a true heart that is formed and God will help us to do that it says having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The conscience is actually the first battle line between you and, um, and a lot of communication that happens. It really is. And um, God, in my opinion, when you are filled with his spirit, he begins to repair that. That we can begin to decipher. One of the gifts of the spirit is that of discerning. We need to discern where it's coming from. Sometimes it's just that simple. When you discern it's not coming from the right source, you just shut it off. It's just what you do. And I know it's not quite that simple, but it really does have that kind of simplicity. And so a true heart, praise God, sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb. And then it says, having done that, in verse 22, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now that one takes practice. It's not uh, hard to have faith, but sometimes to maintain that faith is the thing that you and I have to work on, and God expects us to. It says, for he is faithful, that promise. Can you say amen? And that's referring to God. God is always faithful. He's never not faithful. And so you can count on that, praise God. And then it says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love, and to good works. Praise God, yeah. Sometimes people think you're showing off or you're arrogant when you provoke. And it's really not, that's not the case if it's godly. What you're doing is you're showing people, you can do this. If I can do this, you can. And that's a constant too, you know. There's no big eyes or little hues in this kingdom of God. There's just, you know, how much of Jesus do you want? And so again, provocation is one of those things that God allows us to do. You know, you live for God. You stand steadfast. Not in arrogance and in pride, but in the confidence. Somebody say confidence. That's what God wants you to have, is to have confidence in him. And here's another thing that I feel like, again, we need to consider. I know that, that, that COVID and, and some of the things that have happened in the last couple of years have, have really hindered this, but I think we have to be very honest with ourselves and, 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 and get past this. The scripture says not forsaking, that means neglecting, not neglecting the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, that means to, um, um, that means uh, uh, that we need to lift one another up insomuch as the more as you see the day approaching, praise God. And so the assembling of the church has always been one of the key ingredients that God gives us amen I understand that can happen in a lot of different ways praise God Um, churches that that um, that are involved in the metro areas of this country have learned the value of small groups and the reason that is is because they might have people that are driving 50 and 60 miles to get to the church but that still doesn't neglect that church attendance it just means that's you know one of the things that they do you know, I have a good friend of mine down in Salt Lake City that has been doing this for a number of years, that every other Wednesday night they have small group. They meet in small groups in a lot of areas of that church. And so it has enhanced growth. It has helped Bible study to take um, a tremendous uh, foothold in people's lives. And so hopefully that will happen, praise God, and you will begin to see that. I got this the other day, and I thought this was quite provoking if I can put it that way and what the author was doing was he was saying there's a difference between people who attend church and people who are members people who attend churches and who and who are actually members and I understand that we promote membership in the kingdom of God but I still think the concept of membership is a good one listen to this and maybe you can find yourself in this attenders are spectators from the sidelines, that's what they see. They're spectators. But members get involved in ministry. There's a difference. Now again, this is meant to provoke you, not to intimidate you. Amen. If you want to be a member of the kingdom of God, maybe you would be considered, "Where can I be involved?" Can somebody say, "Amen?" amen. Another thing is, is that attenders, usually now this is on the most part are consumers. All they want to do is take and consume within themselves. But members, on the most part, are contributors. That's why they come. They come because they know that God will give to them. That's that's a given, but what can they give out? And so you begin to notice those differences in people, especially when you get in the role of a pastor. You begin to see that. And what what, um, kind of uh, um, uh, bothers me a little bit is when people linger, in that, you know, attendee status for years. And some people will do that. And again, I'm not here to make you do anything. I'm just saying you're never really going to get into the intricate parts of God until you become a member of what he's doing. When you say, okay, this is part of what I am. And commit yourself in Jesus' name. Now, attendees, I've just got two more. Attendees want benefits of a church without really sharing the responsibility. And that one you see a lot. You see people who want to come and they want to be a part of it. And boy, this is good and and all of that business. You know, the scripture says that one of the parts of the word was the people would receive it right away. They would be joyfully and say, oh, that word is good. And then the scripture says reality sets in and tribulation or pressure because of that word will come. And by and by they get offended. Why do they get offended? Because their roots aren't going down. And that's what membership is designed to do, is to put your root system down. Now again, I'm provoking. That's what I'm doing. I understand that. And I understand when you provoke somebody, sometimes you can run the risk of offending them. But I hope if you are getting offended that you'll get over it very quickly. And you'll realize the value, praise God, of becoming part of something. That God this year wants to help you to become part of the kingdom of God and to put your root system down in Jesus' name. I just got one more. Is this going to hurt too much? I can see the looks on some faces, but I'm not paying that close of attention. Praise God. Attendees, now listen, this is a good analogy. Attendees are like couples who want to live together without committing to marriage. Yeah. But you know what membership will do? It'll help you to say, I do. Now come on. Wasn't that good? Now come on, tell your flesh to shut up. And tell your spirit to receive this right now. Would you lift up both of those hands right now? Come on, this is good stuff. This is God talking to us. This is God giving us practicality. This is God saying, come on, you can do this that's God in a in a congregation even in this size that's raising people up and saying oh they can do it you can do it come on if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God that is your privilege in the name of Jesus and so Lord I thank you for this I give you the praise and the glory come on why don't we just lift up our voices right now and just give him praise come on if you want to if you want to be an attendee you are welcome here you are welcome Welcome to come to church come on I'm not throwing you out I'm just saying but God wants you to become a member that's what he wants you to do he wants you to be a part of this in the name of Jesus amen and deep down inside you know that's true you know that's true and so I wasn't telling you anything you didn't know I was just showing you you know a good example of provoking that's what it does. Membership is designed to provoke people, saying, hey, listen, you can do this. Now, again, as I said before, if you want to just continue to attend this church, and we have some that do. They show up every once in a while, and, you know, God bless them, and we welcome them, and they're sure certainly welcome in the services, that type of thing, but never make any mistake about it, praise God. I, my motives are not hidden. <laughs> I'm not going to hide my motives. My motives is to make every person that comes To become a member of the kingdom of God. Because I know that's where it's going to work. In Jesus' name. We're living in exciting times, aren't we? Look at this. I want you to look at the book of Titus now. The book of Titus. Praise God. I appreciate, again, the, the word of the Lord. The word of God is so rich and so powerful. Praise God. We can glean so much from it. Amen. And I believe the Lord is here to help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Praise God. The book of Titus. Amen. Praise God. The scripture says here in Titus chapter number 2. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The scripture says, for the grace of God, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And I appreciate the grace of God that brings salvation. I really do. Scripture says there, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's everybody. It says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Soberly, righteously, and godly. Where? In this present world. Right here, right now. That's some of the provocation that you do to the world. And then it says, looking for that blessed hope. Look at that. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Lord, or our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so one of the things that the church has always, or not always, but since the New Testament, since Jesus um, uh, ascended to heaven, one of the things that's been on the calendar, the church calendar, is the coming of the Lord. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but back in the times of the Apostle Paul and some of those guys, they thought Jesus was coming back then. They really did. I mean, things were bad, and I mean, there was a lot of tribulation that was happening. The church in in some areas of the world was going through some extreme tribulation. They were. And you can study that out history. That's always been the case, by the way you know, that the church has always been put in a place that at times it's going to go through tribulation. Jesus told us that. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. He wasn't disclosing this. He wasn't trying to hide that fact from anybody. He was trying to prepare us. And that's what he does. Now, I'm not saying that your tribulation might be like they're going through in China. Or that, you know, some of the tribulation that they're going in, uh, in Germany is the same that they're going through in, in say, um, um, say, Iraq. But I'm just telling you that tribulation has always been part of the world. And you know something about tribulation, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but God uses it. He does. One of the things that I know he has used in my life with tribulation is the fact that, that this world is not my home. I'm just, a, I'm just passing through here. And so a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times in tribulation, that's what it reminds me of, that I'm just here for a temporary purpose. And one of these days, Jesus is going to come back, and you say amen. You know, there's six things I want to present to you this morning about end-time prophecy. And these are generalities. I understand that. But these are things that you can study and God can help you to know and that type of thing. And because I believe they're very, very apparent. I think I've I've testified to the fact that when I first came into the church back in 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 the middle 70s, that this is what they were preaching. Jesus is coming back. And oh my goodness, once they mentioned that to me, I started looking for all the signs. And with the help of CNN, <laughs> yeah. But I've re- recognized something here through the, through the years that there's a big difference between what I would consider general tribulation, which we're all going to go through. Everybody's going to go through that. If you think you're going to get exempt from that, you're going to be extremely disappointed. Frustrated, and you might even have a chance of losing out with God. And I hope that doesn't happen. I really do. But if you expect that, hey, living for God sometimes, you know, Jesus said, blessed is the person who is persecuted for righteousness' sake. He said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are you when men shall revile you and and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake, falsely. What did he tell us to do? Rejoice. Rejoice, come on, that's what we can do. And he said, be exceeding glad, why? Why did he say that? Because you're getting reminded of something. Great, come on, not minimal, great is your reward in heaven. Come on, how many's got a great reward waiting for them in heaven? Come on, sometimes God's got to remind us of that. And so again, I think the tribulation can be and will be used for that purpose, so we must expect that. And so Jesus said, be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome it. And so this is one of the major themes of the second and third chapters of the book of Revelation. If you study those churches, it was an across-the-board assessment that Jesus gave to them. He said, you're an overcomer. And if you are an overcomer, I'm going to reward you for that. And so you and I can expect that, praise God. Now, we do understand that God isn't going to pressure us any more than we can handle. And that's the one we've got to be careful of. Because we just want the little bit. Hey, this story was told, I think I've heard, you've heard this story before, about a man who went to heaven and um, uh, or, uh, approached God. And he said, God, I'm down here on earth. And he said, my cross is big. And he said, I don't know if I can handle it or not. And so Jesus said, listen, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to transport you to the cross room. And you can walk in that cross room, and I'll tell you what, you pick out the one that you can handle. And the guy said, well, you know, it sounds pretty reasonable. So he walks in the room, and man, he sees these crosses. And some of them are huge. Some of them are middle size. Some of them are a little small, that type of thing, but took him a while to walk around that room and all of a sudden he looks over in the corner and he sees a real small cross and he gets excited. He says, oh man, I can handle that one. So he runs over and he grabs that cross and he walks up to Jesus and he said, okay, this is the cross I can handle. And Jesus kind of looks at him a little strange, but okay. And he said, are you sure? And the guy said, oh yeah, man, this is no problem. I can handle this cross. And Jesus asked him about three times, kind of like what he did with Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And finally the guy said, yes, come on, I can handle this. And Jesus said, well, that's the one you put down. And so we must understand the cross that God is, is expecting us to handle is the one that's handmade for you. And so what do you say this year, instead of complaining about some of these things, why don't we begin to accept the cross? In fact, that's your bridge to discipleship, by the way. That's your bridge. If you don't accept it, praise God, you're going to always stay probably in the attendance parking lot. That's probably what's going to happen. And I'm not being a prophet of doom, I'm just telling you how it works. But if you will accept the things that God wants to put into your life, praise God. What did he say? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Now, come on, those are pretty simple instructions, and those instructions, I believe, can be handled by every person in this place in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands right now? Doing a lot of ministering, provoking in this place, and exhorting, because I just read it in Scripture, told me to do that. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm provoking, I'm exhorting. I'm trying to encourage somebody here today. You don't have it that bad. In fact, you had it a whole lot worse before you came to God. I'm going to tell you right now, you had it a whole lot worse before you came to God. You got it pretty good. Come on, I'm telling you, your God is good for you. Your God's going to purify you. Your God's going to do things for you that you've never seen before. In the name of Jesus. And so I just want you to provoke you into that, that our God is a good God. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. My burdens are easy. My load's easy, praise God, compared, amen. And then if you go into the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, it says that he reckoned, or he said, I've kind of figured this all out, that I am not going to compare the things down here with the things that I'm going to get up there. And so somebody here needs to get that heavenly vision. In fact, the Bible says we can sit in heavenly places and we can gaze on this stuff for a while. Praise God. So expect God to be able to do that for you in Jesus' name. Let me show you something else before I get into these things here. Look at the book of, um, I think it's Malachi, the last book in, in um, in the Old Testament. Let me show you something here that's also happening. Praise God. And so you recognize this. You begin to understand. I mentioned the fact that Jesus spoke the attitude of, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So it it makes me understand that I I need to have a pure heart. I need to do that. And in order for that to happen, I need God's help. And I know that God's going to do that. Now look at Malachi chapter 3 and look at verse number 1. The scripture says there, He says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Now, in my opinion, that was talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the one that came onto the scene first, and he prepared the way. And do you remember what his preparation was? What was his major message? Yeah. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he went on to say he said here he says and the lord shall ye seek shall and the lord whom you seek rather shall suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in behold he shall come saith the lord of hosts remember that day right before Jesus' crucifixion where he got on the back of a donkey very meticulously chose that animal He told the disciples to go to a certain place and you're going to find an animal that's never been ridden before. And I don't know how many farmers and ranchers we got in here, but you know what happens when you hop on the back of an animal that's never been ridden before. Yeah, that's exactly. But that didn't happen with the Lord. And that was a miracle. And that was a sign. And so he rode that uh, that donkey into the city, praise God. And this is what it's talking about. That was a tall tale sign, praise God. Everybody in the city should have seen that. They should have noticed that because they had the Old Testament. This was not something that was hidden from them. And so I believe the Lord will do that. He will write into our lives with a peace message, praise God, that every one of us can understand. And I hope today that you you will grasp it. But watch this. Watch what's going to happen if you do. It says, but who may abide the day of his coming? Who's going to really handle it? Who's going to be able to make sense of it? Well, the scripture says, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. And he, it says in verse number three, shall sit as a refiner and a purifier. Of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. See, one of the things that God wants is he wants pure sacrifices. Now, in order for that to happen, he's got to refine us, he's got to purify us. And so that's part of the reason why the heat is going on in your life. Through the years, I've done a lot of work with metals, different metals, gold, silver, brass, that type of thing. And sometimes I'm called upon to fix silver horns. And I know one thing, the difference between silver and brass, is the fact that if you're going to fix that horn, if you're going to repair it, if you're going to solder it, you can't use the same kind of solder that you use in brass. The solder that's used in brass, you only have to heat it up a little bit, and it'll begin to flow. But the, silver, the solder that you use for silver has to be heated up, I don't know how many times more, but I know it's got to be at least probably 8 to 10. Now, both surfaces, whether they're brass or they're silver, have to be clean. Because if they're not clean, the solder will not flow. And you will end up with a huge mess. And you'll end up with a whole lot worse condition than you ever had. But if you'll clean that surface and prepare it and then allow the heat to come in then that solder will flow into those joints and you have a good opportunity to repair and that's what God is doing for somebody here today he's purifying your hearts he's trying to get you out of the stage praise God where everything's about you and you start focusing to him and you start recognizing his kingdom is worth everything. Come on, wasn't it Jesus that told the story about the kingdom where a guy found that pearl in that field, and he went and he sold everything he had so he could buy that field. Come on, that's, I'm talking to somebody right here tonight, praise God, today, that that's what God is asking you to do, praise God, is to be willing to sell everything you have and buy that field, that pearl of great price. Come on, can you lift up your hand right now? Come on. I know I'm doing a lot of provoking here today, but God wants to help somebody here. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Now listen, I'm saying all of that for a purpose here today. That you and I, it could be that you and I have quite a ways of a journey to go yet. I mentioned to you before that during the time of the apostle Paul, they thought Jesus was coming back. In fact, when he wrote First Thessalonians chapter number four, they got excited. And they thought like I did when I first got into the church, that hey, within the next weekend or probably two weeks, month, year at the most, Jesus is coming back. But you know something he didn't? And so he had to revise that. He had to write 2 Thessalonians. And that's where he got into some intricacies of things that are going to happen before the second coming of the Lord. And so the anticipation for the second coming of the Lord is good. God wants us to be excited about his second coming. Can you say amen? Amen. Because one of the, the first events are one of the first events that are going to take place, praise God, and I'm not quite sure exactly when it's going to happen, but number one is the catching away. Come on, let me read it for you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. First Corinthians chapter number 15. Let me give you some, let me give you some encouragement here. The Bible says in the resurrection chapter. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, you know it says there, and I'm just going to condense this a little bit, in verse number 51, the Bible says, behold, Paul again writing this to the Corinthian church, he says, behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep or be dead, but we shall all be changed. Come on, somebody say amen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed that's what it's talking about whether it be death or the or the or the rapture of the church praise God this is what's going to happen praise God that's why your journey is worth it amen Come on, that's why Paul wrote those those words to the Thessalonian church. Let me remind you of what they say, praise God. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, in verse 13. It says, Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. See, we have a blessed hope. That's what Titus told us. Looking for that blessed hope and the soon or the second coming of the Lord. They all combine, praise God. And the scripture says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, and that's important, it says that we which are alive and remain shall, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them or go before them that are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's what's becoming more clear to me in these last days. God is helping me to see that. You know, the shout, the voice, and The trump. I'm telling you, that's becoming very, very clear to me now. And I can get excited about the second coming of the Lord. Come on, this is an event that you and I should anticipate. We should look at whatever we have to go through in life down here and say, that doesn't even compare to what's going to happen in that moment that you and I are going to be changed. We're going to be in a twinkling of an eye, 125th of a second. That's fast, folks. That's how fast God can do things. And so you and I have that blessed hope. And so we must understand, essential prophecy dictates to us of 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 the absolute coming of the Lord. Praise God. And so you and I, we can get excited about that in Jesus' name. But number two, And I'm not quite sure exactly when this is going to happen, but one thing God has taught me through the years, that there's one thing to have tribulation. And God has taught me that we're all going to have it. Now, I worked that one over pretty good for for most of you today, that if you expect that you're not going to have to have any pressure or persecution in your life, you're greatly going to be disappointed. And it's not like God's gonna, you know, embarrass you and make you or push you down, but he's using this, praise God. Start recognizing that. But listen to me, folks, in my study of scripture, there is a vast difference, a vast difference between the tribulation that you and I have been going through and will go through, than the great tribulation that's coming. And I'm going to tell you something right now, one conclusion I have reached, and I'm not quite sure exactly the sequence of the events, but I do know this thing, that it has not been appointed unto us for the wrath of God. And one of the things that's going to be poured out during the great tribulation that we've not seen, we've seen little bits of it from time to time, but we've not seen the wrath of God being poured out. And that's what's going to happen. And so number two, there's going to be an unprecedented time when calamity is going to hit and judgment is going to happen. And you and I, we must understand that's part of this journey, praise God, that the scripture teaches us, you know, in Matthew chapter 24, and you can study it for yourself, but it talks about tribulation. Jesus mentioned the fact that there would be tribulation like the world has never, ever seen it. And I can't wrap my head around that. I'd be the first person to tell you that. I don't really know what that means. And so i got to understand, praise God, that I need to live for God because God told the church in the second or I think in the third chapter of the book of Revelation that he was going to keep them from the hour of temptation. That he was able to open a door that no man could shut. And I'm not quite sure exactly what all of that means. But I do know that if we have our faith in God, we're going to be protected in Jesus' name. Come on, can you lift up your hands right now and ask the Lord to give you understanding about this? I believe He wants to. I believe He really, really, really wants to. Now listen to me. If you want to study this great calamity and this judgment in its entirety or in in a greater proportion, study the 6th through the 19th chapters of the book of Revelation. It's all in there. I mean to tell you folks, there's stuff in there that I can't pretend to tell you that I don't even really understand, but even in my small comprehension, it looks pretty bad to me. So we must understand that God is in a place right now where that has not happened. That has not happened. We have not seen that kind of thing in this world, which tells me that anybody who wants to get saved can still get saved. That you and I don't have to concentrate on that, we can concentrate on helping people be ready for the second coming of the Lord. Doesn't that make sense? Come on, why don't we get involved in that work with the Lord in Jesus' name? Now I'm talking about essential teachings that everybody, whether they agree on the times or not, biblical people teach that these things are going to happen. That Jesus is coming back, can somebody say amen? that there is going to be a great tribulation. Somebody say amen. Amen. God can help us in Jesus' name. And then, look at somebody and say, and then. If you study the chronological aspect of the Bible, then you see Jesus coming back to this earth. That's when you see him. And if you want to study a little bit about that, you know, you can study the book of Acts, chapter number 1. You know, in verse number 11, remember when Jesus gave his farewell speech to them and told them, go back to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power on high? Jesus said, go back. Well, the scripture says after he said that, he he was taken to heaven right in front of their eyes. And so while he was doing that, the Bible says there was an angel or angels that appeared and gave them some advice. They said, you know, the way that he went is the way he's going to come back. And so isn't that beautiful God let us know how he's going to come back? And Jesus is going to come back that way. Praise God. You can also study if you want to, you know, Zechariah chapter 14. You know, in the Old Testament, it refers to his second coming. And there were some some of the nation of Israel that got that mixed up. They thought his first coming was that, and it wasn't. His first coming, he came as a lamb. He came to show us, praise God, how much God really cared. He came down here to become incarnated in flesh so he could become the perfect sacrifice. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, you and I, we ought to lift up our hands if for no other reason. We ought to lift up our hands just for that. That our God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, he died for you. His sacrifice took care of your sins. Now, if you want to throw that to the dogs and you don't want to uh, keep that important, that's your business, but he still did it for you. Come on. I'm telling you something. Jesus came the first time to show us how much God loves us. Oh, hallelujah. But the second time, amen. That's, That's number three when it comes to essential prophetic teaching. First one is he's coming back. The second one is there's going to be a time of tribulation, great tribulation and judgment. The third one is he is going to come back to this earth, praise God. And the fourth one is there's a reason for that. He's going to restore the kingdom on this earth again. And that's where you get the millennium period. That's where you get people who are going to be alive on this earth for a thousand years And the earth is going to be restored back to some type of a harmonic nature, praise God. I'm not quite sure exactly to what extent it's going to be, but it is going to be a beautiful place to live. And there is going to be a group of people who are going to rise again during that thousand years. Not us, but a group of people who are going to rise up during that thousand years and are going to to be given a chance, just like we were in this dispensation, to serve God out of the willingness of our hearts. That's how merciful God is. Is he's going to give people again a chance to live on this earth, experience him, experience his word, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. The Bible says the entire earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. It is going to be an incredible time to live. And the scripture says God has extended to his church that's us, during this dispensation, an invitation to live and to reign with him on the earth. That's beautiful, folks. That's what's going to happen. That's one of the biggest reasons Jesus is coming back for the second time, is he's going to restore law and order on this earth. But unfortunately... And I hate to have to say this, but you have to understand number five when we talk about essential teachings, prophetic teachings, is there's going to be one more rebellion. After living on a perfect earth, in harmonic conditions, people are going to have to come to a place where they make a decision. See, that's a lot of what you're seeing in people's lives today, by the way, is that God isn't... He isn't just going to let people kind of lolly da, you know, it way. People are being, are, I'm not going to say forced, but they're being put into a place where they got to decide. Do they want to serve God or do they want to serve themselves? And a lot of that's happening right amongst us. And we don't like it. Because we've decided to live for God. Can somebody who wants to live for God say amen? Yes. So what we say, well, I put a dime in the meter, they should have to. You must understand that's not how it works. Just like God gave you the choice, he's going to give them the choice. And I understand we don't like it, but we must accept it. And so the same thing is going to happen at the end of the millennium period. That there's going to be... See, the devil's been contained for a thousand years. So nobody's going to be able to blame the devil. No. But he is going to be allowed to be let loose. And I don't know how long it's gonna take. You know, I have no idea. Sometimes when I read biblical scripture, it only feels like me for a few minutes. But sometimes it could be years, I don't know. But the idea of it is, he's gonna be let loose and he's gonna go out and the scripture says he's gonna be able to deceive multitudes. And they're gonna combass the city and they're gonna to try to take over the kingdom of God just like they've been trying to do in this dispensation. But you know what God's gonna do? He's going to bring thunder and lightning. There's going to be a judgment, praise God, that's going to take place. And at the end of that, praise God, he is going to usher in a brand new era. That's what's going to happen. So the five of them are, first of all, the catching of away, And that happens, you know, one of two ways. Either it's a rapture, full-blown catching-away rapture, or you die. That's what happens during this dispensation, by the way. And then there's going to be a time of calamity and judgment that's going to take place like the world has never seen before. And then the second coming of the Lord is going to take place and Jesus is going to come back. Hallelujah. And then he's going to restore order on the earth. And he's going to to create an environment, praise God, where people can live together in peace for a thousand years. And then at the end of that thousand years of peace... He is going to, he's going to allow the devil to come back and tempt people, and there will be a full-blown rebellion, and God will bring swift judgment. Praise God. And then you must understand what that does is that leaves us one last thing that's going to happen, and this is there's going to be final places. Final places, praise God that are going to be taking place. Let me me show you in scripture how Jesus was trying to help us to understand that even way, way, way back. Look at John chapter number five, the Gospel of John chapter five. See, God doesn't just sneak up with us with these kind of matters. God has this stuff sprinkled all through the Bible. And the reason he does that is because no matter what dispensation you're in, What rung of the ladder you're on right now with the kingdom of God. No matter what place you're in, in your walk with the Lord, God always wants you to be encouraged. He always wants you to understand that you have a glorious future. That you have a lot to look forward to. And that's why God puts this kind of stuff all the way through scripture. Now the danger of that, and I've gotten caught up in this from time to time, is we start accenting on that. When I first came into the church, that's all that mattered to me. When is Jesus coming back? When is Jesus coming back? And man, the church there in Dubuque where I was in, I mean, we were just obsessed with that. Just like they were at the time of the Apostle Paul. And we must understand God doesn't want us to get obsessed with it. He just wants us to remember it. That there's a time when you're going to leave this earth. You're going to be changed, praise God. You're going to get a brand new body, praise God. You're going to have a glorified body in Jesus' name. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. And God sprinkles that all through the scripture. But you want to know one of the major, major, major intents of scripture was so that God would reveal himself to people so they would get saved. That's why God reveals things to you and I, and that's why we can get so caught up in our own little feelings and our own little comfort that we forget there's a world out there that needs to hear the message of salvation. There's people out there, praise God, that need to understand that repentance isn't a big pill that you swallow that hurts you. That it's something that brings you closer to God. And then Jesus' name baptism is not some judgment that God pours on people. It's a privilege to get every one of your sins completely wiped away. Praise God. And then he fills you with his glorious spirit. Come on, folks. That's what God is trying to center in on these last days. That's why we got to be careful that we don't get so caught up in this essential end time prophecy that we forget that God is still saving people. He's still reaching out to a world that you and I live in, using people like you and I to provoke people, to help people understand that, yes, you can live for God. Yes, you can deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow Him, praise God. That you don't have to take so much to have that, such a high outlook of your own self. That you can focus on the Lord, praise God. Because he's the one that brings salvation. Come on, can somebody give me a testimony? He's the one that brought you, te- brought you salvation. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank oh, you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let me finish up with these scriptures. And I know I've given you a lot today. But I'm trying to help you to understand, praise God, that you and I have a walk, a trail. We have a way. Praise God that you and I need to walk. And we need to maintain that walk. That's why as a pastor, I've learned to try to discern the direction you're going. And some of you took a couple of turns here this last week that I've been desperately praying for you that you'll get back on the trail, that you'll quit thinking of yourself so much, and you'll quit thinking that God's unfair and this church don't love you, but you'll begin to remember, praise God, that God does love you and want you to get back on that trail and to live for Him in the name of Jesus. That's what you're in the danger of doing. Praise God, and it's so subtle. It really is. This selfish selfish generation that you and I live in is so contagious and that's why God will send and allow tribulation to happen, to shake us. I did it again this morning when I walked around this church. I prayed for the backsliders, for the cold in heart, for those that once heard it. There's been hundreds upon hundreds of people in this city, in this county, who have heard the word of God. They know what the what the scripture speaks, and I'm praying that God will shake their houses to the core, that God will take their comfort levels and turn them upside down. Oh, Oh, hallelujah. And I understand that can, that, can be, that can be interpreted as you don't love us. That can be interpreted as you're mean and you don't really love us. I understand that. My goodness, folks, I get that about every week. And so I recognize that. It's part of the idea that blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Come on, if you're going to live righteous, do you expect that somebody's not going to to have a problem with it? Come on! Yeah, I know that's pretty reasonable. But some of us cross over to the other side and think that God has become unreasonable. And that is not the truth. Last week we discussed the question, Well, the God who's able to do this, you know, persecute the righteous with the unrighteous. What did Abraham find out? No. And that's why I'm I'm telling you what I'm saying about the end time. Because God ain't going to do that. He's not going to beat up his bride. He's not going to break us through the coals. That's why we must accept the tribulation that's happening in our own life because that doesn't hold a candle compared to what's coming, folks, that I believe that God will use a way to shelter us from, just like he did in the days of Noah. Yeah, Noah had to ride those those waves, but it was a whole lot better than being in that water. And so you and I, I believe we're going to have some type of that that will go on. So we can expect for God's protection. Look at John chapter 5 and watch Jesus. Now this is why he was here the first time. The Bible says in John chapter number number 5 and verse 24. He said, now this is the words of Jesus. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Somebody say amen. And shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. It's already happening for us. And then it says, verily, verily, I say unto you in verse 25, he says, the hour is coming, and now is. He said, when, it says, the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they, shall, and, he, and they that hear shall live. Now this is why he came the first time. And then it says in verse 26, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And verse 27 says, And hath given him authority to execute judgment, also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not, he says in verse 28, he says at this, For the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice see, Jesus was telling us about this second stuff while he was here the first time. Isn't that amazing? And what that was intended to do was not so that we'd obsess, quit reaching the lost, quit coming to church, let's just grab our can of beans and head to the mountains. That wasn't what that was for. What that was for was to encourage you that, yes, it is coming. You just have to have patience in Jesus name. Let me show you something here. Look at John chapter 14. Again, Jesus the first time telling us about the second time. The scripture says in verse number 1, 14 and 1, John, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Somebody say amen. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions, If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Come on, folks. That's what he's trying to help us to understand. And then he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will. I will. I will come again. You see, that's what he's trying to help us to understand. I don't know how much more time we got. I, in fact, I'll be real frank with you. I am not even focused on that anymore. God knows exactly when he's coming back. God knows exactly when this age of the church age is going to end. He's smart enough to understand that. What I need to do is just be close enough to him, praise God, that I don't miss anything that he wants me to know. In Jesus' name. One last scripture here today, and I hope that what I've done here today is not just provoke you, not just exhort, but I hope that this has been a bundle of encouragement that you can understand that these prophetic essentials are coming upon us. That yes, the rapture of the church is going to take place. That there is going to be a calamity. There's going to be a judgment that's going to come during a period of time that is going to be second to none. And that there's going to come a time when Jesus is going to come back and take care of it. And then he's going to restore the earth. And for a thousand years there's going to be peace and people will live in harmony. And they will know the things of God. And then there will be a rebellion because people just, I wish they weren't built that way. But you and I are too. And then God's going to restore that. And there's going to be final places. Look at this in Revelation chapter number 21. And again, I I, I don't pretend to be an expert at this end time stuff. In fact, I'm in the process of trying to give my good friend a call and have him come over and straighten us all out. If that's such a thing. But look at um, chapter 21. I do know that there are four final places that the scripture talks about. It talks about a new heaven, not a restored one. During a thousand years of peace, the world or the earth is going to be restored. That's where people get messed up. Amen. But at this time, at the final one, it's going to be all done away with. At the white throne judgment, the Bible uses the analogy of a scroll that is completely wiped out. How many when you were a kid had those Etch-a-Sketches? Remember those? Weren't those cool? You could draw stuff and everybody was an artist. You know, but if you didn't like what you draw, you just lifted up the piece of paper and it was gone. Well, that's kind of what I see that's going to happen to everything. Everything that you and I see right now in the physical realm is going to be completely gone and there's a reason for that because the Bible says in verse number one, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. I use this kind of as an analogy. Some people think I'm pretty old. But I wasn't around for the first creation. But I'm going to be around for the second. Yeah. I don't know how much those tickets are going to be. No, they're not going to be anything. But I'm going to be around for the second one. And so the scripture says, a new heaven, a new earth. And then... Another place that's going to be new is it says in verse number 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of, a, out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now those are three places that I know that God has in store for those that love him. And I'm not sure where it all fits in. I got my theories. I'm still studying a lot of this stuff. But I know those are three places that God created for all of mankind. But unfortunately, there's one other place that we can't forget, and that's found in the book of Revelation around chapter number 20, and that is the lake of fire. You see, folks, we have a lot to gain, but we got a lot to lose. And that's why we're living in the world today trying to pull people. Let me give you some instructions as I end today. Insist, you got something we can sing? Yeah, whatever. You know, something by the Beatles, maybe. I know, I'm just kidding. I, um, uh,
1: I don't know why I said that, but I did.
0: Praise God. Where was I going with this? Praise God. I just lost my train of thought. What's that? And away it goes. goes. Do you see it go out the window? Oh, I know where I'm going. It comes back fast sometimes. Look at Jude chapter. Well, there's only one chapter in Jude. Look at verse 17. Jude 17. It says, But beloved, that's us, he says, Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles, of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. He said, These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. That's why you want to keep a hold of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It says, But you, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then it says, keep yourself in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's what this is meant to do, by the way. These six things are to help us to keep on the trail. Keep looking for the things that God has for us. And then last of all, it says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Sean, was telling me this morning, and he wasn't bragging, he was just giving me the information. He told me that this year, I think it was, Sean? Yeah. Okay, I, I thought he was, wasn't paying attention. He was telling me that this year, you've served over 500 meals to people. There's a good example right there. And I know there's many of you that have gotten involved in that. God bless you. That's an example of that. doesn't mean they're saved because they eat your beans and rice. It just means that there ain't too many people around that do that kind of stuff anymore. So you make a difference. But that's not the only way. Some people think it is, but it's not. The Scripture says there's another way. And some of you might even have to get involved in this. It says, and others save with fear. That's one of the prayers that I pray every day. I pray that the spirit of the fear of the Lord will dwell upon every person in Gillette, Campbell County, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain District. That's my corner of the world, by the way. And so that's the one I carve out. I pray that prayer every day because I believe the Lord gave it to me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is where people will begin to recognize their need to be saved. Where there is no fear of God, there is absolutely no conviction for sin. And where there is no conviction of sin, there will be no repentance and there will be no forgiveness. I know that's a pretty sour message, but it's the truth. And that's why the Bible says in Jude, and you can come up, sis, give them some hope. The Bible says... We got to save some by pulling them out of the fire, even hating the garment that is spotted by the flesh. See, folks, you and I, before these the sequence of events that we talked about this morning happened, we still got a pretty tall order. And that order is, we read about it in Hebrews chapter 10. Don't forget that. Provoking one another, exhorting one another. But sometimes we can't do that if you're not here. That's why all of this message contains into the same container. That's why you gotta quit just being an attendee and you gotta start becoming a member. You gotta start committing yourself to the things of God if you really wanna know some of the things that we talked about here today. And I just want you to understand it's God's intent for you to do that. And for everybody else out here, Didn't say that God said he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? So you and I can rest assured, praise God. Would you like a a more efficient way to do that? Come on, why don't we take a few minutes here? If some of you, if you want to come to this altar, praise God, you can do that. But let's lift up our hands and let's make a commitment to the Lord, praise God. That we're going to do it his way in the name of Jesus, amen.